0: How are you feeling about recording this week? you think you're going to be able to get that thing to record?
1: Well, I have my own account now, so I feel like I have jumped a few hurdles. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Alex made me an account on his laptop here, so now I don't need his fingerprint. You know, I've had that finger laying around, but it's kind of getting a little... Yeah. I've had it on ice, but the ice doesn't last forever, you know? You had to make
0: a call on that finger. I get it. Yeah. I think you could have brought it with you. I think you probably could have, you know, he's got so many laptops over there, you probably could have taken that laptop and that finger and he wouldn't have even noticed. I'm not sure which one he's got more of, fingers or laptops.
1: I think there are one, two, three, four laptops on, well, that's sort of a mini desktop, but just on this one table surface right now. Yeah, well, it makes for good video for the live stream, so that's good. There's also that one over there with some rather graphic stuff on it.
0: That is uh, an homage PC. Is it really? Oh, it's this is a big deal. That's an homage to a great television show called Silicon Valley. And uh, one of the characters in that show, uh, he has a signature line of servers for the data center. And uh, he wants his signature on the servers. But he's such an egomaniac that that just happens to be what his signature looks like. (laughs) It ends up looking like a penis. And so... (laughs) And it's a great storyline because, like, the the product team, like, tries to, like, show him all these other options that are clearly better options, but his own ego won't let him choose anything else, and so they end up shipping a penis logo on uh, all of them.
1: You know, I've wanted to ask Alex from, like, about day three that I've been here several weeks ago but I was a little too shy to ask him about the penis can on I, the thing. Can I ask
0: what you just assumed, the reason there was a penis on his PC? is? I can, assumed
1: there was some backstory that I wasn't privy to, but I just couldn't bring myself to asking the question for him to explain the joke, so thank you for informing me.
0: Can I ask you, did the thought cross your mind, huh, Alex likes penises more than I thought he did? Did that, did that cross your mind? That's also a warm penis because it's on a,
1: a power source, yeah? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think the first time I saw it, I was like, "No, I didn't just see that. That's not meant to be like that." And then, and then when I saw it again,
0: I was like, "Oh, there's something going on here." I oh, don't really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the first pass, you thought, "Oh no, that's just me seeing something." Yeah. Yeah. So you thought you were the weirdo. I see. Well, I, I don't see. know. I'm in a foreign place. Sure. Yeah. And you want to be charitable to your buddy, right? I'm trying. So uh, it's like I'm not ashamed of you, Alex. I'm ashamed of me for thinking it's a penis. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's my fault okay. not your fault it's me it's not you <laughs> well i uh i tried to have a, a meal before the show so i don't run out of energy and how'd you do i don't know I, did, I think i did all right you know i had some salmon that feels like a good choice was it like smoked or was it poached or how was it poached i'd, I'd answer i don't actually know because it was prepared for me i'll be honest about that <laughs> the wife made it last night and i brought it i brought it to work with me it could have been broiled who knows yeah i just don't know i brought it to work with me i just thought you know it'd be nice to have something to eat before we start because you know how i get you know how i get i know how you get too oh i
1: i get the both of us useless i think is i just yeah wander around aimlessly without the right amount of food so
0: i was watching this uh doctor talk about uh, ADHD and he was saying how uh, he recommends that people with ADHD when they're working on something keep like a glass of juice with them to help their their brain burn better I guess I don't know I didn't have a glass of juice when I was watching it so I couldn't really follow what he was saying
1: (laughs) (laughs) that was so perfect
0: it's office hours with Chris Hey, everyone. Welcome on into the office. Thanks for being here. Hey, Brent, get comfortable. Come on in. Hello. Thank you. Ooh, you kept my chair nice and warm. I did. I kept a little heater on there for you. That's kind of you. You know, I also made a little room over there for the mumble room. Hey, Virtual Lug, how's it going? Hello. my mean? studio. Hello. Hi, guys. Hey yeah, there. Welcome on into the office. Gosh darn it. Gosh darn it. Welcome on in. Brent, you're still in uh, North Carolina. I am. It seems I just won't leave. Now, I'm wondering, at this point in time, you're just days away from going. Tomorrow, in fact. Tomorrow. Okay. I know you. I know how things go. I'm wondering, do you have more projects at this point that are on the list than when you arrived? And are there more projects undone than done? (laughs) Is this a problem? So we did have a list Uh prior
1: to my arriving which was quite ambitious. And I think maybe Alex should have a look at it I, I because I haven't looked at it in like two weeks. But the number of things we've added, I think amounts to the size of the original list as well. So um, I think you're probably right. I think we have done some amazing things. Alex, unfortunately, always also is great at starting projects. And then he kind of quickly gets distracted by starting other projects. So I, we've both been... Kind of like that and trying to finish projects in the last few days.
0: Now, okay, so let me ask you this. When you're working on a project normally, are would you say this is a problem you have in isolation on your own? Or would you say this is more of like a, when you're working with idea guys? Yeah. You know, because I've run into this. You and I have this, too. Like, we could come up with a million projects while you're here. So is this something that you also... Do you have this project creep on your own? I didn't expect
1: these introspective questions here, but I'm I'm, I'm enjoying it. I think... I think probably when I'm with you and when I'm with Alex, I take the wonderfully uh, natural place for myself, which is like a a support role. I was a photographer's assistant for a very long time. And so that kind of there's a switch there that just kind of kicks in. So that doesn't answer your question. I'm just buying myself some time. Um,
0: (laughs) I got you. (laughs) Amazing. Mr. Brent always has something to say. (laughs) All right. So I think,
1: unfortunately, yeah, I probably do lean that way when I'm doing my own stuff at home. So, won't. I always just
0: wonder what the uh, solution is to that. Because that can happen to me, too.
1: I think it's a human trait. I mean, it's exciting to start something new, especially if you're learning some new techniques or trying out some new tool that you have or something like that. But you don't really reap the rewards unless you finish the project. So, I don't know.
0: The reason why I'm thinking about this is um, we're redoing a bunch of back-end stuff to do the JB website. And I just kind of recently thought, we probably got to break this up into chunks because it's quickly spinning off into like a new way for us to produce the back end source of truth for the shows. It's quickly spinning off into like this, you know, new CDN project. And, you know, we have a deadline. Uh, Scale Engine has been a fantastic host for like a decade at least. And they are just kind of not really in the WordPress hosting business anymore. And so they've given us a deadline of summer to get off of uh, Scale Engine for WordPress hosting. They told us a while ago, so we've known it's coming. And so, like, we have to execute on that. <laughs> and I don't want to blow it up, right? And so I've been recently thinking, like, how do I prevent this project scope creep that I think we're all a little a little kind of inclined towards in our crew? That's so true. So that's... That's just been in the back of my mind recently.
1: I feel like we have to do it in a modular way. I'm not sure how to do that because it's all connected. But also we have to keep each other accountable somehow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe it is. Like, it's not like Trello, right? Trello, like, it might be useful for organizing, but that's not what's, like, going to make us get the work done. Because as you said there, you had a list, but you haven't even looked at it in two weeks. It's
1: true. And every day I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this today. And Alex is like, hey, I was thinking we could do this. Oh, All right, let's do that. So anyways, it's been a wild ride, which I think maybe that's just
0: it. We're just attracted to adventure. Well, I'm glad you could join me one more time from from North Carolina. I imagine and I understand how it is. You're going to get back home. You know, you got you'll get you'll get sucked into uh, real life back home again. We won't see you again for a while. So this has been fun. You know, it's been fun having you in the States and on a high speed Internet connection while we do the show and all of that speaking the same language, you know, those kinds of things. (laughs) (laughs) You know it's true. All right. All right, well, I had a little bit of podcasting news. I just wanted to update everybody on how things are going in the industry because this one made me kind of smile. After coming out talking like they were going to change the podcasting landscape, one of the big tech players has decided, not for us. We're dropping out of podcasting. It's not one I've complained about because I've honestly never felt like they are much of a threat, but Facebook has announced they are removing all podcasting features from the platform on June 3rd, and they're going to stop allowing people to add their podcast to the platform starting this week as we record the episode. I
1: have to admit I didn't even really realize they had those features. Oops. Isn't this kind of actually
0: a sign that this was a good move? That right there?
1: Yeah, that's a good time to abandon
0: something when it's not quite working. I wonder if we aren't going to go through a bit of a podcast bubble correction. In fact, if I were to speculate, I would argue we are already in the midst of it. I think we have been all of this year, a bit of a podcasting bubble correction. And uh, the IAB just came out with these ridiculous figures for uh, podcast revenue sponsorships, which are just totally unsustainable. (laughs) Uh, So I think we're kind of at the end of a bubble a little bit in sort of the industrial side of podcasting where every business needed a strategy. I don't know if we'll see much more um, retractions. Facebook just didn't have a lot of establishment here. YouTube is continuing to pay podcasters to move their podcasts over to the YouTube platform. I don't know what they're using, to like who they pick. It's all kind of just hush-hush behind the scenes. And they have to sign NDAs and stuff, so there's like no real, no real dirt out there telling us what's going on. But it is... Uh, I guess kind of a bit of a win, it feels like, to have Facebook kind of bow out. Doesn't that just sort of feel like one less thing to worry about?
1: One giant down.
0: Right. One less pain in my neck. But it was so funny because they came, it was when, like, right at the at the peak hype of Clubhouse, I don't know if you remember this, but for a hot minute, everybody was talking about Clubhouse. Yes, I do. That's when Facebook announced this whole idea. Like, oh, well, we're going to become the kings of audio. Audio is a medium that's growing like crazy. And that's when they made all these big plans.
1: You know, you mentioned the bubble kind of maybe starting to come to an end or at least change a little bit and I was I was going to say something that was opposite to you this morning. I ran into I got some gas that I put into Alex's truck and at the gas pump there was a podcast advertisement on the gas pump and I thought these are everywhere now. This is just getting ridiculous.
0: Oh yeah. Okay, I should be clear. I don't mean that podcasts are going to stop growing and that more and more people aren't going to do podcasts. I mean, I think We've sort of reached peak industrial interest in podcasts, like big platform players that want to create the next platform. I think we've got our entrenched players now, and they're going to try to make money. We'll see a few more consolidations. I I don't think podcasts themselves, though, are going to stop. This is sort of the magic thing about podcasting and why we're so damn lucky to be doing this form of media is it just always organically grows. because. I think as people, we are drawn to just the oral medium where we where we tell stories and we help each other process what's going on right now through story. Like it's it's cliche kind of, but like it's a virtual campfire thing where people put the headphones on or they're listening in the car and it's a more traditional experience. It's being delivered in a new way. But it's it's something that I think is almost built into us and how we spread share information and how we figure things out. And so I think because it's so accessible and because it, it seems to touch on something that I think goes deep, I think it's going to grow forever. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope now that we're like 15 years into this thing that certain aspects like RSS feeds and just the kind of built in decentralized nature of the podcast industry, I hope, Protect it, a uh, uh, more than most industries would be protected from consolidation. My only caveat there is, that's exactly what they said about radio back when farmers were using it to broadcast on their uh, fence lines and talk to each other and give each other crop updates. Like everyone had a radio station, all of the radios frequencies were like stepping on each other. Anybody could do it. It was just a matter of how how much how much power could you put out, and then the, you know obviously that consolidated got regulated and. And it became, you know, something that no one really has access to. I don't know if we'll go that far because we've, we're 15 years into it. But like I said, it has happened before. We'll see. But it still feels good, even if it's a small win. We'll take him. it. Still feels good. I'll take it. Yeah. I have been actually sticking with Fountain FM as my podcast app. And I, I definitely know this has been a struggle for some of our listeners I've heard from people who tried it so that way they could do the boost things for a bit, but then they didn't really like Castomatic or Fountain FM or one of the other new podcast apps. And I also had a little bit of trouble at first. I think for me, a couple of the more recent updates made a nice improvement. There's a couple of things in here now that I really find useful. The clipping community has kind of become my favorite way to find new podcasts. Have you seen this? You've tried this?
1: Well, you've sent a lot of clips and I've sent clips to you, but also I love in Fountain how you open it up and there's, you know, the the homepage is kind of by default, just clips. There have been a few shows that I listened to that I haven't maybe hit play on in the last few weeks. And then someone throws a clip there and it's like, oh yeah. And you just, it's like a, you know, the clips can be of various length, so it could be Ten seconds could be thirty seconds, could be a few minutes, and I found that to be a really great way to jump into a podcast I haven't, you know, heard in a little bit. But also, like you say, to discover new ones. Um, So it feels like a cheating almost.
0: So at first, I did not like the clips because I just wanted to get into my podcast. I had a, you know, I'm getting on the road. I got to drive. I want to listen to my shows. But what changed the game for me? is when I started realizing I was listening to podcast clips instead of going to YouTube on my phone, right? Do you understand, like, how much healthier that is? <laughs> yeah. Right? It's so much healthier, plus I'm discovering new podcasts that have been such good listens. So it really changed the way I think about the clips. So now, like, when, like if I got a couple of minutes to kill and I just want to kind of, like, take a dip into some content, I'm firing up Fountain and I'm listening to the clips, and it has become a network effect because pe- because as I've shared clips, people have followed me and then I'm following them back. And so now I've got like a little network in there of people that are sharing clips. You wouldn't have to do it, use it for that. But man, have I found that stupid handy. You know, at first I, I didn't want to start over clean, but then having a blank slate and kind of subscribing to like a core few shows that I listened to and then adding some new shows based on the clips has kind of like really brightened up my podcast subscriptions again. I'm really enjoying that. And plus I have my old app. I can always flip over there and see if I'm missing something. So it's not that bad. I found
1: the clip creation process was really neat as well. And I I think you have enjoyed it too. It does like transcripts and you can really get down to it. It's really nice.
0: Yeah. And so you edit it like you would edit text instead of editing in the audio way form. So you just, if you don't want a sentence in there or you want to start at the right point, you just select the text and cut it or whatever, and then it creates the audio file, but then it also creates a web link so people don't have to have the Fountain app, and it'll create an audio file, and it'll export a video that uses the album art and does captions of the transcription. It is so well done. It's great for sharing, like, on Telegram or Matrix or Twitter or whatever. I found it, it has cut way back on my YouTube time, and I really like that about it. And they've made some solid improvements. The performance has gotten better. The battery life has gotten better. They don't have CarPlay yet, but they are working on Android Auto and CarPlay. Um, And I do effing love the boost. Man, I love sending the boost. Because as a podcaster, you know, I pay more attention to, like, a username when I see it on a boost because it sticks out, right? It's on my screen. I memorize it. And so uh, I hear other... People with the same username sometimes boosting the shows, and then I'm boosting them. It's, it's fun. It is a lot of fun.
1: I still remember uh, Sir Lurks a Lot was one of the previous ones, uh, I think last week. <laughs> yep. So I got to remember these. It's great.
0: Lurks a Lot's in the mumble right now. And I recognize when he joined them. Joined, oh, I'm like, oh yeah, Lurks a Lot. He boosted.
1: <laughs> it's great. It's great.
0: Yeah, it is pretty good.
1: The other thing is, I, I feel like calling them boosts has been pretty astute. You've been mentioning how it's been really boosting your mood recently and some other podcasters mentioned the same thing right
0: yeah that is it is a boost i like it's better than the name of super chat or something like that tony wrote in he said so you've convinced me on the future of podcasting 2.0 value for value and even boosts but the problem is it assumes that you already have some skin in the crypto game i've never owned any crypto and i'm looking for a way in it seems that there's plenty of ways to go wrong and likely get scammed good instincts tony he says can you recommend a safe starting point for a noob I'm UK, by the way, which is good to know. This is the biggest, in my opinion, hurdle to the whole Boost platform. The monetary mechanism is Satoshis, which are a unit of Bitcoin. There's 100 million Satoshis in a Bitcoin. And so you can send like 500 sats and it's like less than a dollar. To get those, you have to buy some sats. And you could buy tiny amounts of sats at a time. You could buy a couple dollars worth of sats at a time. But getting it is tricky in the U.S. I've been recommending strike strike is just a really solid, quick app. It is regulated. It, you will have to go through some of the identification processes. All of these that are legal and regulated have to identify you because it's the rules and regulations of the banking system to prevent money laundering and you know terrorism and stuff like that. And all the other things you could probably assume. So you have to go through some form of identification if you use one of these apps. That's the downside. They are used by millions of people, though. They are using traditional industry rails to do that kind of regulatory approval and identification. But it is a pain in the butt. In the UK, I've been recommending Blue Wallet, which makes this also really straightforward. What you want is something that participates on the Lightning network. Lightning is kind of like SMTP in the sense that it is an open protocol. It's an open network. And you just have to have you know, a system on that network. And the benefit to it is that it's peer-to-peer and it's extremely ext- stupid cheap to send a monetary amount over that network. Way cheaper than is possible with something like Stripe or PayPal or Visa or MasterCard. Way, way cheaper, right? Where you could send fractions of a penny over the Lightning Network and it's economically feasible to send less than a penny. You can't even send a couple of dollars over the traditional banking network uh, without the fee being more than the amount you're sending. So that's where Lightning and Boost kind of play a role there. But I I think it's also, and I know you already know this, Tony, but I think it's also important to point out that there's a network effect of more and more podcasts being on there. Uh, Voltage just did a case study of the Lightning Network and Podcasting 2.0, if you can actually believe it or not. And I'll have a link to this in the show notes. There's over a million sats streamed per day. That's not even the boost. That's just people streaming as they listen. Wow. Yeah. There is, uh, by, this is actually even an old number. They say 6.4, but now there's over 7,000 podcasts using value for value in Lightning. When we started talking about this, there was 4,000. That's how fast this is growing. This is a big deal, right? It's not huge in the Linux community. That's where it's not very big. But outside of this, it, it is picking up, it's picking up with music artists as well. And authors. So Voltage did a case study on it, and it's absolutely great. It's really bang up. So a link to that. It's starting to grow. But Podcasting 2.0 itself is really more than just the boost. podcast. And I talked about this in Coder Radio recently. Podcasting 2.0 itself is a set of new standards. It's a spec. It's a whole bunch of new features for podcasting that are really, really powerful. And you can go look it up, the Podcasting 2.0 namespace, There's so many great things in there. They solve problems that JB's tried to come up with solutions for for years, but they do it in a standardized open source way that an entire community is contributing to. And it adds features that not only would make podcasting more accessible to people with accessibility needs, that not only make podcasting easier to find through Google search and stuff like that, but it just adds features that would make the content better as well or make it more accessible. Like we have a question in here about, will we ever release office hours as an Opus file? And JB used to release things as uh, an Ogg Vorbis, an Ogg Theora, a WebM, an MP4, a couple, two MP4 types, and an MP3. So we had five to six different file versions for every episode, and we had to create five or six different RSS feeds. And as a result, if you go searching on places on the web, you can find all these old... HD feeds, low quality feeds. You've probably seen this if you've ever gone around for a little while. Oh, yeah. And it sucks, right? Well, guess what? One of the things in podcasting 2.0 namespace is a file type enclosure namespace. So you can have multiple file types in one feed entry. And the, the software on your phone could expose that option. So you could choose, as a listener, you could choose the Opus version of a show. Or the MP3 version, or it would probably default to the MP3 unless you chose something different, and that could be exposed all via one feed entry. Just small little things, because the the reality is is that the podcasting RSS spec hasn't been updated since 2009. It's been a little bit, and things have changed. That was well before uh, mobile podcast players had the presence they have now, and it's just it's a whole set of features that I'm as you can tell super bullish on i just really just i really want to advocate for it because i think it behooves the podcasters out there to get into this i think it's it's to the benefit of the medium long term and sometimes when you work in a medium or when you work in an industry you have to do things to keep it healthy to keep it going you can't just sit on your you know existing success and not ever push it forward that's what i'm a big believer in so that's why i talk about it so much And I have a link in the show notes to a really good Medium post that completely introduces the entire thing from top to bottom. It talks about how the podcast index fits into this, how the namespace fits into this. It talks about what PodPing is, which is one of the really cool features about this. So one of the neat things is, as a publisher, when you publish an episode, you can announce it to the PodPing service. And that PodPing service acts as a store of information that the podcast index in but also all of the podcasting 2.0 apps participate in so everybody gets a sensible controllable json announcement basically a little json file update that says here's some new feed information new shows out so instead of every podcast player and every service having to like pound an HTTP RSS file, you know, just an XML file sitting on, on, on an HTTP share, um, instead of having to hit that all the time and, and, and pull it down to see if there's any updates, the PodPing network tells things when, stuff, when things are updated, and it's completely decentralized. It doesn't require the podcast index, although the podcast index is a front end to it. It doesn't require your specific app's implementation. It's a completely open spec, and that's part of podcasting 2.0 as well. Without that, you have to rely on services like Spotify and Apple to do those kinds of updates for you. And it talks about all that and of course it gets into value value for value which is a system for podcasters to receive direct payments from listeners for a, a, an exchange of value. Either it could be monetary, it could be time, it could be talent. It's you got something out of the show so you give something back, which I think is really in line with the open source ethos and I think ethos and I think something open source developers could embrace too. So I feel like there is A really solid opportunity to perhaps begin a culture shift in the free software and open source software community to start recognizing that the software that they use has real value. Like Mumble, for example. I would absolutely, I would absolutely support the Mumble developer if I could check a box to stream some sats. You know, and when you really start thinking about this, like when you really give this actual consideration and don't just dismiss what I'm saying, when you really think about it, you could, you could actually do away with a lot of these foundations. Because at the end of the day, these foundations, all of these free software projects end up ceding control and copyright to these foundations because running a business is a pain in the ass. Asking for money sucks. It's hard. And honestly, they just want a dev. They just want a dev, bro. They don't want to do the business and ask for money and stuff like that. And so they get sucked into these foundations. And then these foundations end up centralizing the free software community. And if we solved the monetary problem, if we made it possible using, by the way, all free software, an entire free software stack where I could check a box in Mumble and it would stream sats from a, from a lightning wallet that I have on my umbral node or wherever I have it. And maybe it's a couple of sats a day. Maybe it's 50 sats a day. I mean, these are pennies. But at scale for every, you know, even if it was 10 percent, every every third Mumble user, I mean, it would really make a difference. And they wouldn't be drawn to these. Solutions that ultimately, five, ten years on, sort of suck the life out of these projects. At least in my opinion. I mean, when you really think about what we could be accomplishing together, we really have an opportunity to improve the life for developers, for content creators, and to do it using all free software that's completely decentralized. It's really compelling. So I do do really like the value for value aspect of podcasting 2.0, and I think it's intensely important but it's not the actual entire story. Woof! Didn't plan to go on that rant. <laughs> Thank you for it, though. I guess I got the feels about it, you know? Jeez Louise. I mean, when you get inspired? I guess so. Does that make sense to you? I mean, actually, I feel like it doesn't, because I saw you in the Telegram group just the other day asking, like, hey, what podcast app should I get? So it's even... Even my friends, you know, like it, you, we don't think we don't think new podcast, new podcast apps dot com. Like I just I haven't like I really haven't gotten the message out there even though. And I and I and I know I could do better, but because I get so passionate about it, I just kind of like go and I'm clearly not I'm not connecting it. You know, I'm not I'm not getting at home with people. I don't think i not as successfully as I could. Maybe one of my
1: questions for you would be. Do you think uh, someone who's new to podcasts could jump into one of these apps and a year down the road be like, oh, yeah, these new features and kind of grow with the app? Is that a, a do you think they're appropriate for that?
0: I think some of the features, if you showed it to a new user, they would just think the feature should have always been like that, like chapters or like the ability to show an image up on the screen at a moment during the show or transcripts or the other thing you could do with that multi-format enclosure is you could have a low bitrate, high bitrate, And an app developer could choose to implement the ability when streaming to dynamically switch depending on your connectivity. That's just something YouTube does automatically. A new user to a new podcast app would just expect that kind of thing. They wouldn't even know any different. In fact, I think it's harder. I think the real challenge is people who love AntennaPod and Overcast and Pocket Cast because those apps have let people develop routines and a process and a way of listening that new apps don't necessarily re implement because they got their whole, they got their own whole paradigm. And I think it's much harder for those users to stick than it would be a new user who doesn't really have expectations of what an app does. Is that Grok? Oh, yeah. <sighs> that's my thing on that. I guess that's my thing. <laughs> I like it. You know, you know how I get when I get to, when it gets to talking about the podcasting. Yeah, you love the podcasting. It's really exciting, honestly, what's going on over there. I listen to the podcasting 2.0 podcast, you know that dave and and adam do there's so many developers and community members that are all working on pieces of it right now there's so many things in the work so it is early days and that's another thing i suck at is i can't just keep my mouth shut and let the early day stuff ride out for a little bit longer you know i gotta be out there doing a podcast like two years or in the case of bitcoin like 13 years before anybody cares about it right i gotta be like out there
1: mr early adopter
0: Not in a bragging way. No, no, no. no. Not in a bragging way, like in a shut up and be strategic, you moron way. Why aren't you a better businessman way? That kind of way. You know, that's how I feel. Anyways, moving on. The GitHub uh, interaction on the website stuff. Oh, wow. Right? Oh, wow. Yeah. How good? It's super great. Yeah.
1: Thank you, everyone, really.
0: So we have been reading it. We have been uh, conversating around it and trying to figure out, like, what makes sense, what resonates with us? how we want to kind of break this thing into multiple phases? So uh, I asked Wes to come into my office earlier, and uh, I've kind of decided like let's take, let's sit down and kind of take a look at what we do know and what we don't know and where we 're at, and so that was sort of the framing for our conversation around the website. <laughs> Wes Payne's back here in the office with me. Wes, welcome into the office. Thank you. You even brought
2: a chair in. I mean, there's not much room. You're kind of standing over me, but it works.
0: Yeah, Brent wanted me to only have a stool, but I decided you deserved a nice comfy chair because, after all, you're basically the CTO of our summer projects here. You get, you, know, you get full veto power, as far as I'm concerned, on anything before we deploy it, and I feel like we're kind of coming to a bit of a firm understanding of what we know we are going to bite off and...
2: Tackle this summer, Yeah, that was kind of uh, mission one. We got stuck with this, hey, change up the website. But we started thinking about it. And, you know, the website is really just one output of many that we have. And they, all the outputs kind of stem from, you know, whatever we use as our source of truth. And so making changes to the website is one thing. But we got to kind of factor in how does that affect everything upstream and potentially downstream of it and sort of pick Of the pieces of automation, because it's not just the website, right? We've got some existing automation around publishing the episodes, taking, you know, going from the editor's great output and putting it in all the right places where the audience can reach it. And what parts of those do we want to commit to changing to facilitate whatever the next stage of the website is? And then what other changes does it make sense to do at that same time? And are there some things
0: that make sense to hold off just for a little bit so that way we can kind of keep this in a reasonable set of goals? Because we could pretty easily spin off into building a totally new complex monster that would, like, address all of our workflow issues we've ever had. And that would be wonderful,
2: but we don't really need to do it all at once. And we do have, like, an actual deadline to get the, you know, to accomplish the website component. And uh, I think there's still, like, shows to record, too. (laughs) Yeah, there's that. So we've kind of
0: figured out, it seems like for phase one, we're probably going to keep Fireside as our back-end CDN and and what we're calling sort of our source of truth for the most part, at least
2: what goes public. What do we mean by source of truth? One place to collect all the information about the show that defines a, defines an episode, you know? So that's that starts with things like the title, the description, the set of tags associated with it. It includes the links. It includes information about who sponsored that show, if any. It includes the hosts, the guests. It might include something like a transcript in the future, you know. So there's one spot to go to modify things, to make changes, to find the reference for that episode. And one one place of data that then can feed any other system that needs to take it and, you know, translate it into, whether that be translated to the feed, translate it to some markdown for a, a website engine, or something else. You can probably imagine, listener, happens all the time. Like we get an episode out and
0: they're like, oh, we forgot a link or, oh, this link needs to be changed. We should have this person's name to the guest list. Stuff like that happens. And so you want like a source of truth that the editors and the hosts and everybody else on the team knows that's where they go to make changes. So we're going to kind of use Fireside as that right now. But we're going to lay our own website on top of that. And then the other bit that's pretty important for us to work with the podcasting 2.0 spec is we're going to start biting off generating our own RSS feeds, which so far we've kind of been reluctant to ever really take on. Well, you know,
2: we mess that up and people can't listen to the shows.
0: We're off the air. So that's a big deal. But we also want, like you said, we want enclosure option support. We want transcript support. We want improved chapter support. There's so many things in the 2.0 spec that we want to be able to work into this. And to do that, we have to just sort of manage the feeds ourselves because we find that the platforms out there that generate these feeds for you, while they're nice and reliable and they have good CDNs and all that kind of stuff, they're not really aggressive about adding these features. We have a more advanced audience, that's a little bit more of an well, not a little bit that is a, you know a lot of early adopters, and so they want these features before other podcast audiences are demanding them.
2: Maybe that's sort of underscores a lot of what we're doing, actually. I think we're you know partially realizing that that some of this stuff, being able to have the feed, you know that that meets the audience's needs, that meets our needs, we're not just making a podcast we're pretty committed to the podcasting medium right it's kind of the primary output that we have we have other outputs sure you know like we have the videos on youtube and and stuff like that but the feeds that's that's the heart of jupiter broadcasting in many ways yep so we want to make sure we get that right so we figured out
0: feeds we're going to generate a new website it's going to be a static website we're going to take that on a new live page all the sort of Accessory side pages like, um, you know, the calendar page, the donation page, Matrix Info, Mumble Info. We're going to try to make it pretty straightforward to create pages that won't have to be updated too often, but will hopefully be high performance and and load fast for you and look clean. We have that kind of stuff dialed in and we kind of have a high level of requirements figured out to support all of that. You know, you've been thinking a little bit, too, about a more modern publishing workflow, about a new way we could host this, because... What we're transitioning from today is a WordPress site that runs on Scale Engine. And it's been good, but it really was a different way of
2: running this stuff. And there's kind of a more modern way to architect this. A few years ago, we were manually adding posts to the WordPress every time an episode came out, right? And that's very <laughs> flexible. It means, like, you know, you as a as a small business person, like, you have complete control. You don't have to learn a whole crazy system. It's, it's designed around interactivity. But when we switched to a more automated workflow... Interactivity was less of our concern instead of you know automation and reproducibility.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and and really just the ability to just do things at scale. There's really no reason why an episode needs to sit around and wait for somebody to go through and create a WordPress post after an editor's done. That's what we realized a while ago, and we set off to fix that with our back backend, and that's been now that's really carried us a long way. And this is kind of completing that. And you have invested Wes in backend infrastructure to help automate some of this stuff. Where do you think we're, where do you think we're really going to be adding to our existing system? Is it going to be employing things on GitHub more? Like where do you think one of the big tweaks is going to be in our in our back end infrastructure?
2: Yeah, for the moment we've kind of got a, you know, a collection of automations that tie together primarily closed systems, right? Like we can't give the audience access to the WordPress, we're not going to give them access to the, the fireside unfortunately. So those are all kind of just closed off pieces that we, you know, we've got credentials to, we join these APIs together and shuffle data around. But in the future, we'd absolutely love to have more things available on GitHub, both for, you know, collaboration reasons internally, but also externally with the audience to share. You know, we're not going to be experts in all the tools we use. We, we know already the audience has a ton of great opinions, say, on static site builders. And so if we can, you know, publish the stuff that we're doing and get some, some help or input from the audience on tweaking the website to be as cool as possible, I think that's a great idea. And we're not going to get totally there in phase one. I'd, I'd love to see us keep our source of truth on GitHub as well. But there's some complications, especially like we have a sort of, you know, time-sensitive scheduling workflow sometimes where we, we need an episode to come out at a certain time, but not before. We've got, you know, restrictions on necessarily who might have access to things when. And we rely on Fireside for some of those things right now. But in the future, I think we can change that. We just got to pick off the right, Size chunks so that we can actually accomplish those things and not totally break everything. (laughs) The
0: GitHub conversation and discussions have been really useful for kind of thinking through some of that. And that's just it, you know, there's it's sort of a nice way to kind of move through this and figure out, okay, yeah, we have to have this. Like we, as we started whiteboarding this out, we realized scheduling the publishing is actually a little bit more of a complicated problem than we initially thought. And that's one of the one of the ways keeping fireside as our source of of truth solves that because it has a mechanism built in for scheduling. But what we really like about eventually moving the entire workflow to GitHub, and we think we have ways we could do it, is that's where we could eventually bring in the audience and somebody could do a poll request against show notes and either make an addition or a subtraction or a correction. And not only would that be powerful around the, the, the week that the episode comes out, but imagine somebody's listening to an episode five years from now and there's a bad link or something's dead in the show notes, they could help us keep that uh, as a living, relevant document that's still useful to people, even stuff that's in the back catalog that we would never go back through an audit anymore. So I guess what I'm saying is we have motivations and reasons to take it beyond what we want to do in phase one. It just seems like we have to be reasonable
2: about what we choose to bite off at this stage. Yeah. You know, we're trying to find our squeakiest wheels. And right now that's the website. And then the feeds, That's just so core and, you know. It kind of makes sense to you because the data is quite similar. It's both very driven on on the shows and the episodes. So we need the same a lot of the same data for the feeds as we end up needing for the website. So I think, I think there's going to be some nice combination there where we can get two birds, one stone, and a whole lot of podcasts.
0: Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, thank you, Mr. Payne. Thanks for coming to the office and going over this. Uh, we press on, and it's going to just get better and better, and the summer is going to be exciting. Looking forward to it. All right, now you get back to work. Uh, wait, you're supposed to give me that expense card. I'm sorry, you got to go now. All right, so I actually kind of wanted to do something a little different for the uh, boost segments. I don't know if you want to uh, share your story, lurks a lot, but. You told me in the Matrix room the other day, and I love these stories about how you decided to take the challenge and figure out how to do the boost thing, which has now sent you down the rabbit hole of self hosting and running an Umbral instance and all that kind of stuff. I mean, what, what do you what do you uh, what do you want to share? I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'd love to hear a little bit of the story.
3: Wanting to do more self hosting was something I want to do anyway. I just like to learn and play with the stuff, and you know. I don't know. I'm an enthusiast. always have been. But it's really just been all of this talk about the podcasting 2.0 and the value for value just kind of really piqued my interest because for me, um, the main appeal of Bitcoin has never been this whole like speculative, oh, if I buy a little and hodl it and I'll be so rich kind of thing that draws a lot of people in. Um, I like kind of more the uh what do you call it? The, um, the idealism behind it of enabling people to do things and giving people, you know, like a a decentralized kind of, you know, consensus based system for money. I like that a lot.
0: Yeah. You know, for me, it was the decentralized network, the, the shared computing thing. I've always loved clustered computing, especially clustered computing over the internet. And that's what drew me into it as well. But I'm wondering if, if you kind of got this this sensation I did, which was really kind of a cool sensation, was when I first self-hosted a service, I felt it felt good. Like I had taken control of something. And a term that gets used often is like I had sovereignty over it. It was cool to have that feeling with my data. It was a whole other experience to have it with money to be like, I don't have to go to PayPal to ask for this money. I don't have to go to Stripe to ask for this money. I don't have to go for the bank, to the bank. When somebody boosts a show, it shows up on the note in my office here at the studio, and it's physically, like, there. It's really, like, it's like having a register, and it's actually mine. It's, I, we have sovereignty over it. And that is such a, it's such a hard concept to convey, but it's one of those things like self-hosting that when a, once you feel it, you love that sensation. So you're getting both at the same time right now. <laughs> it's pretty great. So what are you going to try experimenting with?
3: Well, right now, I'm really kind of learning a lot about the Lightning Network and stuff. And so um, I do have this excitement about participating, helping keep the network healthy and running a Bitcoin and a Lightning Node. But, like, I'm not set up for routing, man. This channel stuff is hard to figure out with the Lightning.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is. There are some good resources out there, including uh, some good YouTube videos. I'll try to find a couple and throw them in the show notes if I remember after the show, because there is some good ways to get started there. But that is, it is a complicated thing. It is legitimately probably just as complicated as running an email server. I mean, it is is not for the faint of heart.
3: Well, you asked me about, like, that sensation that you get once you self-host something for me like the first thing is i went ahead despite everybody's advice which is which is actually kind of spot on and i'm hosted my own email and i'm still doing it because i still like it and uh then the big one for me was when i got my family to switch to my own matrix server and now my whole family we have our own pet and it just feels good to not be on google's hangouts or anything else like it
0: congratulations on that that is awesome, man. Well done. That is, uh, that is a big win right there. Uh, well, thanks for sharing. I uh, appreciate you uh, coming on and hanging out in the office for a few minutes. And I want to uh, sw- switch over to you now, Brent, because you were setting up your own node this last week. Because one of the things we want to experiment with office hours is in the podcasting 2.0 spec for the value um, namespace, the value element or whatever you want to call it. They have this concept of splits, and the idea with the split is, and if you go look at the Podcasting 2.0 show, in fact, let's go pull it up right now on on the website. If you go look over there, you'll see they have these splits between a bunch of participants in the show. This is like an automatic way so that when people send in boosts, you can set splits to go to the host, to the producer, to the editor, so I, so here on the uh, podcasting 2.0 show, which is the weekly show that talks about the work going on, they have most of the split going to the podcast index. Then they have some of their split going to their chapters editor. Another bit of the split going to sovereign feeds. That's how they generate their podcasting 2.0 feed. And then they have uh, a couple of really small sats going to the boostogram bots, because those if you send them one sat, they can help like announce on Mastodon or in a chat room that you've gotten a boost. So they kind of also play with that a little bit. But one of the ideas here of these splits is in the podcasting 2.0 app, when you go to send a boost, you can actually see how the podcast has decided to arrange those splits. And in some cases, you could even override them. But the thought is, is that it's a way to send value to the individuals who are contributing value to the podcast on an ongoing basis. So and you can do it per episode or you can do it for the entire feed. So you could say automatically on the episodes that Brent participates in, there is a split added to hit to the RSS feed for office hours where Brent gets 10% of all of the boosts for the show. Another idea I'm experimenting with along these same lines for Coda Radio and for LUP is why not send a split to an open source project? You send a boost into the show, 10% that week for that episode goes to I don't know, the Mumble developer. Let's just, I guess I'm picking on Mumble, right? They have to be on the Lightning Network. So I'm collecting a list. So if you know of any, send me a boost. (laughs) Then, you know, it's like a way where you can boost the show and like 10% that week goes to a project or something. Or in this case, you know, 10% goes to Brent and 10% goes to Drew and, you know, we kind of, or something, right? Like, I don't actually know what it would look like, but what I find appealing about it as a longtime podcaster is it's all transparent. It's all... Front and center. And it's a way for the audience to kind of directly give value to like say maybe just maybe the week we're doing like Brent gets the split or something like you are a Brent fan and you think he's been doing great work. You know, it's just an opportunity. I I feel like there's something there. So I said, Brent, go set up a lightning node. Have at it. Let's try this out. Hoorah. How'd it go?
1: You're pretty smart because you told me several days ago. And I think (laughs) with the experience we had in January setting yours up, it takes a few days to download the whole blockchain on your node. Yeah. And you knew that ahead of time. So I got to it. Thank you to Alex for getting me into Ansible a little bit. So I took the opportunity to jump in, do a little bit of Ansible foo to get this thing up and running, which is a, I guess a whole other story that we told in Linux Unplugged this week, but it, it was going great once I sort of figured it out and, um, I learned the challenge of having several sysadmins sitting on the same server because it turns out Alex is doing a bunch of experiments and he rebooted the server, which actually, I guess the node never came back up. So for about a half a day yesterday... We were not downloading the blockchain, so I'm a little behind on uh, downloading it, but um, I think it's going to work just fine once it gets going. And uh, unfortunately, we don't have it up and running at this very moment, but I feel like after the show, maybe we can uh, start playing with it.
0: This might be one of those give the milk away for free moments, but there's like a, a VPS that focuses just on lightning nodes called Voltage. Oh. And uh, you can basically go there depending on how much you want to pay. And they have some pretty cheap plans for individuals, and they run a hosted node for you. See, that's a great idea. I think that's really attractive, actually. That might be like for the hosts that don't want to run their own node, which would probably be the majority. That seems like a pretty nice way to go. But then the hosts that do want to run their own node have that option. And then, and I've never used any of these hosted services, but understanding the way the technology works you absolutely could sort of use the hosted node as your front end. And then the wallet could possibly be like on an umbral box on your LAN or something like that too. So that's kind of fun and cool. So there's again, a lot of work that still needs to be done, but you can feel we're getting there, right? Like there's progress made almost every single week. People are trying it out. I'm trying to find the right balance and how to talk about it. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff.
1: Well, and it feels like this show is an appropriate place to just kind of, throw all caution out the window and just try these things. So bring it on.
0: Yeah. So we will be trying that out eventually. Probably the first show we, where we experiment with taking over our own feed generation is going to be this one. And the other benefit to doing that is then the members will be able to boost as well. Because right now our core problem is that the platforms we use don't support the value tag. And so the member feeds don't support it. And on the daily I hear from a member who's like, I'd really like to send you a boost.
1: It's like the most requested feature right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> speaking of boosts, DPG sent a boost in two days ago, says he's loving the office. He wants to know about our support for codecs. I mentioned this earlier. He's asking about uh, Google's Lyra and also just about Opus in general, or are we going to be stuck with MP3 forever? You know, I think momentum on these alternative codecs was lost when at the when the patent expired or whatever it was on MP3 years ago now, and momentum was just kind of lost. Opus is probably personally for me the most appealing on that list there. If you could point me in the direction of a couple of podcast apps I could test with Opus, it's not beyond the the scope of something I'd be willing to consider once we get a 2.0 compliant RSS feed. Because over the years, I've probably gotten a couple of hundred requests for Opus. And that's one of the benefits to joining the mumble room is you get the Opus codec, which we have turned up to like 96 kilobits or something like that. And it just sounds fantastic at 96. Uh, so maybe, 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 maybe.
1: True Grits wrote in with a thousand sats. I would be fine listening to normal JB content. They write ads and everything. If I could just get the unplugged live stream boosts enabled. There you go. Plus <laughs> one for that feature request.
0: <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> I know. I know. We're getting there. We're getting there. It's just we, not that simple. It, it is. It requires the building of our own entire infrastructure to do it. But we will get there one day, right? Which, we will.
1: thank you for pushing us in that direction. But there's work to be done.
0: It's definitely gotten the conversations really going. All right. Thank you, everybody, for sending a boost. If you'd like to boost us, do podcastapps.com. And I like the Blue Wallet if you're outside the U.S. and Strike if you're inside the U.S. to uh, charge it up. Now, we got an email into the show about Matrix and things. It says, hi, Chris, longtime listener for just about all your shows, and I'm an occasional participant in the Telegram group. I've been listening to you talk about Matrix for quite some time now, and I've messed with it on and off over the years as well. I've had high hopes for Matrix and perhaps it will work out, but I do wonder if your attention on it is sucking all of the oxygen out of the room. Perhaps there are other technologies which could be even better that are not getting the spotlight. You've been a big advocate for decentralized and self hosted options, but what about distributed and serverless? Could perhaps that not be even better? Think no synapse to even have to manage. (laughs) That's attractive. Yeah, really. Projects like Talks, Session, Jammy, they're FOSS. And they aim to do the core of what Matrix is doing, but without the need for any servers at all. I know Matrix is a bit more ambitious, but perhaps it's aiming to do more than what people really need. Just food for thought. Thanks for all you do. That's a great, solid question right there. And I'll tell you, I have thought sometimes would, would actually like something like Mattermost almost be better for what we're trying to do. You know, we want to have a place for our community to come together that has discussion channels, essentially, for each show. And for other topics like Bitcoin or Nix and, you know, just stuff that maybe isn't particularly to one show, but something our community still kind of follows, or at least some of our community, but maybe not all of them. So we don't want it in the main room, that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, obviously, Discord has been heavily, heavily, heavily considered as well as just sticking with IRC. But I think ultimately. What draws us back to Matrix is two key factors. Number one is the federated nature means that it allows our audience to scratch that self-hosting itch if they want, but still participate in our community, which is really cool. Uh, It also means that they could just join Matrix.org if they like, because right now we have registrations closed on ours. So that's a factor. But what really has drawn me personally in and probably why I'm talking about it more is more and more and more free software projects are making that their community. And so I'm in a Red Hat room. I'm in a Gnome room. I'm in a Plasma KDE room, right? I'm in a security and, and open source radical thinkers room. I'm, I, I'm in, a, in an accessibility room that's trying to do accessibility for GTK stuff. And I'm, I'm in a room for people that are trying to do outreach for people that are, you know, for groups that aren't really in open source yet. And they're trying to bring new people in. And it's like all of these diverse opinions and rooms all on one giant network. And I can join as Chris at jupiterbroadcasting.com, right? So it's like, or Chris Lass, whatever. I think it's just Chris. So it's like it has that identity aspect to it. It has that network effect to it. It has that self-hosting element to it. It has this sort of feeling like this is going somewhere, like the trend line is in the right direction as well, which is usually when I start adopting something as an early adopter. I'm like, okay, it's early, but I like the direction of that trend line. And that's when I get on board. But that's not to take away from all the other stuff you mentioned or the stuff I just mentioned. It it may end up ultimately not being the best decision. But I think what we really have to remember and what I try to keep in mind is like 98 percent of the listeners don't even participate in any of this stuff. Right? They don't got time for this. They got stuff to do or they just can't be bothered. And honestly, they're probably better off and healthier for it. Let's be let's be real. Right. The Internet can be an awful place, although our communities are great. Uh, so I also have to realize, like, this isn't the stuff that makes or breaks the business, right? Like, if I if I bet the farm uh, on Matrix, it doesn't really any impact anything on air, does it? Uh, we just maybe you know maybe don't get the right kind of interactions. But so far, we've been getting great interactions from our Matrix community. I mean, they're going right now as we talk, and uh, you know, I knew about Sir Lurks lot's journey into self hosting after he got into boosting because he said something in the Coda Radio feedback Matrix, and like, so it it, it does definitely create communities and. Uh, We have a really, really awesome Bitcoin community in there because it's a bunch of level-headed people, not all Bitcoiners, but they're all a bunch of level-headed people that respect each other and and talk rationally and aren't a bunch of like scammers. And like that's been a real source of good conversation as the market has just been totally tanking to have a bunch of level-headed people in there talking about it and and, you know sharing their thoughts and definitely a diverse set of opinions. And I really found that fulfilling. And I just don't – I'm not getting that anywhere else outside of Matrix right now. In fact – I think you're seeing a real drawdown in telegram activity as that discussion has moved over to Matrix as a result. I don't know if what your observations are on this Brent. I know Matrix has been a little bit harder of an adoption curve for you. So maybe you see things a little differently.
1: No, I I actually do have to agree. Uh, I know I haven't necessarily witnessed the stuff on on the Matrix side as much as you have because of some of the mm, challenges. I think partly due to some of the older hardware I'm trying to, you know, make use of. But I do. Gotta say, I noticed just this morning that the Telegram chat was feeling a little, I don't know, I saw a few tumbleweeds passing by in there and I thought, oh, yeah, it's not because the discussion's not happening, it's just because it's happening elsewhere.
0: Yeah, and maybe it's better the Matrix, I mean, I'm sorry, the Telegram is honestly, in my opinion, more followable now. Like, it's not just like you show up and it's like, oh God, I can't keep up with this.
1: Yeah, it used to be a little overwhelming, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's not all bad. No,
1: I think it's just different, really.
0: I I do appreciate the feedback. I am totally open to more uh, feedback on the topic because, you know, I'm not married to any one particular thing. It's just where I'm at right now.
1: James wrote in. Hi, I keep on wanting to help the show by subscribing or these new boosts. $16 a month for a membership is too much for me, but there doesn't seem to be an option for supporting a single show at a lesser cost. I downloaded Fountain, went to buy whatever it is. It gave me a code and left me hanging. No instructions on how to buy. I've never bought Bitcoin before, so I'm still stuck with no real idea how to support your shows. I'll research it later, but wondering how many others are put off.
0: You're coming in cold. What happens is you go into something like Fountain or Castomatic or another one of these new apps. The way Lightning works is traditionally it's invoice based. So you generate an invoice in that app and it gives you a long code or a QR code, but a long string. It doesn't buy the Bitcoin for you. Because that would probably get them in a whole bunch of new types of regulations and legal troubles all over the world, right? Like you can imagine how much there is to navigate there because of all of the know your customer requirements of the uh, financial system. So they generate the invoice, and then the idea is that you go use a Lightning compliant app like Strike or Blue Wallet or Cash App, something like that. And then you paste that long code into that app and it will then recognize the invoice amount and make the transaction happen. But it's not obvious, and that is why if we didn't have such a technical, savvy audience, I, I just wouldn't even bother even doing this. But like, if we don't figure out these rough spots, if we won't early adopt some of this stuff like Matrix, like Boost, it's never going to go anywhere. And we can see the network effect building, but we still have hurdles to overcome. But man, is it so, so, so much better than it was a year ago. It's so much better now. And like Strike makes it so stupid simple. And it used to be really complicated. The only tricky part now is you got to do all your like, you know, know your customer ID stuff, but they just they're required to do that. Now to the memberships, the boosts are additive. They don't replace the memberships. And 16 is a lot. I get that. That's just based on what our costs are. And we do offer individual show memberships. Maybe that might be your way to go, like unpluggedcore.com or coderqa.co. Those are, those are cheaper because they only get you access to that one show, but it's still a way to support. I hope as things get more regulated, as laws pass, as things get more normalized, it won't be that hard for an app like Fountain to just charge up the wallet right from inside the app. Uh, that's going to happen eventually. You can imagine. You can see it especially if they could just tie right in with Apple Pay or Google Pay for the transaction, it'll happen. But we're just not there yet because of the regulatory environment. So in the meantime, there's this two-app process. Makes sense, I guess? Not not ideal, right?
1: I think the other thing, Chris, is I think we could do a better job of describing the various options, and it's something you and I have talked about, and uh, I think something I'm going to work on in the next week or two is just describing our various options a little bit better. You know, you've described via audio on several of the episodes and a variety of podcasts, how to do some of the boosting. But I think writing that down in tech text with maybe some links to these various apps might be a really nice way to someone who's never done it before. And also I, I feel like, you know, th- this may be kicked off a little bit of the website discussion was it's sometimes a little bit hard to get all that information on the websites, the way that they're structured currently. So I think we're going to try to do that as best we can right now. The new website hopefully will help help with that, but I think it's worth putting a little work into that uh, as it stands.
0: Yeah, having an audio is all well and good, but it's not very accessible when you're in the moment and you're trying to get it set up. And you're like, "Well, what did he say?" And if it was just a dupe, dupe, dupe kind of thing, you know, just an outline, it'd be a lot. It'd be a lot straight more straightforward. We'll get there. This is where I know I'm making a big ask, right? This is a big ask I'm making here. It's a calculated thing because it's not something I take lightly. But if we get it figured out for JB, then the next Linux podcast that comes on automatically has a couple thousand people ready to boost their show, right? The next open source project that comes on has a couple thousand people ready to boost their project. The long-term benefit goes so much farther beyond just Jupyter Broadcasting that I'm willing to make the calculated ask. I'm trying to be generous in how I ask it. I guess I'm kind of banking on the idea that people that have been listening to me long enough kind of know how I operate right, and they know where I'm going with this and they can they can see my logic is kind of what I'm hoping <laughs> and it, you know i get i you know I get it i get it it it's not super straightforward and I don't want anybody to get frustrated. There are other ways to contribute value that are not just monetary honestly, just telling people about the show and advocating for our shows is extremely valuable because podcasts are not something people just generally pick up and listen to. That's why these clips thing in fountain has actually been a big thing for me because generally, you know, it's an hour long show. I'm not just going to listen to some randos that I don't even know talk for an hour. Like I'm not going to do that. Right. Who does? So, but you know, if Brent comes to me and says, Hey, you know, I really think you'd like this episode. They talked about X, Y, Z and you know, we've talked about that and I really thought they had some good insights or they, they had this great tool they talked about well, then I listen to that episode. We do that all the time with each other. Oh yeah. So that is extremely valuable, right? Going and leaving us a rating or a review somewhere on a, on a popular podcast directory, very valuable because that obviously helps juice their, their uh, metrics, you know, leaving a comment on a YouTube video and giving us a thumbs up, that even helps on the channel there, right? There's, that's, there's there's big ways and small ways uh, to help out and contribute. And, Sometimes people like to physically contribute. You know, they show up and help us here. Sometimes they like to show up in the mumble room and contribute that way. And it's all of it is really super appreciated. Of course, the financial contributions, super appreciated because it is a business and it has to run. And we got it. We got things we want to do. We got uh, a big road trip we're planning for. And my plan is to head down to the shop this weekend and get suspension problems finalized. I kind of got, like, a broken suspension system on our last road trip because you remember how bad the roads were. It was, Oh, it was memorably bad. So bad. Oh. So, so bad. <laughs> so, like,
1: the worst you've ever experienced. Third world bad. Almost like they forgot to finish the road.
0: So we did, like, some emergency fixes just so we could get out of Tucson and get home, right? But the work wasn't done. There's probably, like, another five grand worth of work that has to happen. So we're going down uh, this weekend. I'll probably do LUP live from Oregon. So you'll be back home for LUP, and I'll be live. Wes is on a trip, so Wes won't be there this Sunday. Oh, my goodness. Should I just travel to the studio and keep it company? um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody here to run the board, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I got to think about that. That is going to (laughs) be tricky. It's going to be tricky. So that's, you know, there's just, there is a lot, just a, it's funny, like, um, how much mundane day-to-day life stuff goes into making all this possible, right? Because this road trip to to get Jupe's fixed up is really in service of a bigger road trip we have planned later in the year to do meetups and stuff like that. It's just how it works. It's, so, uh, let's see. We don't have an office hours next week, but we will have one a week after because we're doing this twice a month. Fortnightly. Fortnightly, which if I'm doing my maths right, that means our next episode will be on May 24th. Really? Yes. Nice. I think. Right? At noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. It's weird how it's, it's almost like dinner time where you're at. You got dinner figured out?
1: Um, I think we were going to go for sushi, but then decided to do that for lunch instead. So I don't know what we're doing for dinner. Mm. You know, Alex hasn't got the smoker up and running in a few days Uh, so maybe pizzas in that fancy oven of his i don't know what we're doing
0: honeymoon period is officially over is what i'm hearing (laughs) clearly (laughs) (laughs) you're not cooking they're not cooking you want to go get something fine when how about after he's done with the podcast thing fine fine (laughs) (laughs) time to go home well I'd love to have people join us on the 24th over at JBLive.tv. Hang out in the Mumble Room. Come on into the office. It's a virtual office, so it's available to anybody. Don't forget, you can send us a boost with your JB bug fix request or comments. And, of course, we do have the GitHub page where we are collecting continued discussions on our website improvements. And then we're going to try to cover them in each episode as we proceed. At least that's the plan, I guess. Right, Brentley? Something like that, yeah. Mumble Room, thank you so much for making it today. Appreciate you guys. Have a great rest of your week. Hope to see you next time. Bye, everybody. Goodbye, Bye. chat room. Thanks for being here. All right. That's it. Bye. That's it. We're done. Bye. Office hours is over. Get out of here. Thanks for being here. Okay. I got to have my office back now. Jeez. Woof. Come on.